1: Hosting the So Money Podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money Members Club, and with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with Tap to Pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person, contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and Reach, visit Stripe.com slash tap iPhone. So Money, episode 1603, Jamila Souffrant, host of the Journey to Launch podcast and author of the book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom.
2: You're listening to So Money with award-winning
0: money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh
2: herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. The joy for me, you know, believe it or not, even in the aggressive stages or when I was investing aggressively, I felt joy from doing that because I saw, you know, I would check my budget every day. I was so intense because I was like... I got to leave this job or I want to get out of this situation. So I found joy in taking control over my finances and investing in saving. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest
1: today wants us to imagine imagine being able to quit your job, ditch your horrible commute, have passive income streams and choose how you want to spend your time. Jamila Souffrant is living proof that you can do all of these things. And she's packaged the advice and the step-by-steps in her brand new book. It's called Your Journey to Financial Freedom. It's one of the hottest personal finance books right now. You may know Jamila. She's been on the podcast before, and she's also the host of her own show called the Journey to Launch podcast. She's got some actionable steps for all of us to help us live our best life today with the end of the year. I think we all just want to curl up and eat holiday cookies. I know I certainly do, but she's got some advice for us on how we can finish the year strong. And if you have a yearning for doing something big in the new year, for achieving a huge financial goal, maybe quitting your job and starting a business, Jamila has advice on how to harness that enthusiasm and start making an action plan towards those goals. Here's Jamila Souffrant. Jimmy LaSouffrant, welcome to So Money again. And I've been waiting for this moment as you have, but really I have because I I want to tell a quick story. I remember sitting with you in a coffee shop in Park Slope before the pandemic. We had just met. You were, I think, still straddling the corporate world and your entrepreneur life. And we were talking because we were of like mind and we were both moms. And we, I don't know how we even got connected. You might have even just reached out to me. And fast forward to today, you no longer have that corporate job. Far from it, you are the host of the Journey to Launch podcast and the author of the new book, Your Journey to Financial Freedom. Congratulations.
2: Thank you, Farnoosh. It's an honor to be here.
1: (laughs) You've always known that you were meant for bigger things. And I want to talk about that a little bit in the podcast. Like, I think that yearning. Is that something everybody feels? But when you do feel it, like what do you do with that feeling? I've I've had conversations with people recently that are like, I just feel like there's more for me out there. I feel like I'm destined to do more. And I would say one, uh, maybe check your birth chart, (laughs) do some astrology because that I'm recently into that, and that tells you a lot about who you might be hardwired to become. But for you, your journey started way back. I want you to start by telling us the story about. The sacrifices your mom made, she made a really hard decision early on in your childhood that was probably the hardest decision any parent could make at the time. It did work out. But tell us about that time in her life and your life and and what it has really meant for you.
2: Yeah. You know, my mom is a driving force behind everything you see because she had me at a very young age at 20 years old. She was a single mom. In Jamaica, the island, and she had her papers come through to come to the United States, but there were no papers for me because I was not supposed to really be here. (laughs) And so she had to make a choice in a really short time frame. I think she said it was a week where she had to decide if she was going to leave me behind in Jamaica and she go to the United States or stay, you know, and pass up that opportunity. And even though she was afraid, she'd never been to the United States, she wasn't going to, you know, she didn't have a lot of resources. She did have family there that she could stay with. She knew that she had to take that risk in order to provide a better life for me, despite her being afraid and, you know, not having everything figured out. And so she went and she came and established herself and worked a bit, you know, at just, fast food restaurants, um, sent money back to my grandmother every month. And then finally I was able to rejoin her. I was just under two when I was able to join her. And I think she left me up at around eight months. So it was very hard for her, but watching her, even though, you know, it's not like she sat down and taught me money lessons or necessarily life lessons, but she did, I guess I would say that she spoke to me a lot. So she didn't have a lot of resources back then, I always joke because I have a younger sister. She had one other child that's my little sister and she had a lot more resources when she had her. So her life looked a little different than mine. But the one thing my mom always did for the both of us is that she always spoke to us. She had conversations. She read to us. She read to me a lot. And so despite not having the material items, she poured into me in that way. And seeing that growing up, watching how hard she worked to get her to where she is today and how she was able to help me in my my career, my finances. I just, you know, I always say she is the motivation. Like this is the payback almost. Like how dare I not do well? And it's not necessarily about money. So I think what you said about people yearning is that the yearning also doesn't mean you need to be doing something big. Like be, you know, in front of a camera or be on the big stage. It is, it's not necessarily about, you know, impacting millions of people. I really do believe that, you know, me, my, my mom's yearning or wanting more was simply just to live a good life with me and her daughter at the time, just the two of us. And it's the same thing with me now. It's like my yearning at the point was I knew that my corporate job and that commute that I had was not it. Like there was more to life than that. And I didn't know it would, you know, I knew that I would do things, but I didn't know like this would be the result. When we were sitting at the coffee shop, I mean, by then I was more convinced Journey to Launch would be my thing, but I didn't know, you know, I couldn't detail that all these things that would happen. But ultimately it was my mom. I say that the fact that she made that brave choice and at that young age to do what she did instilled in me a drive that, you know, I can do something because I have a lot more resources and support than she did. And so how dare I squander that or not do like take the baton that she passed me.
1: Yeah, I often talk about too, like the the passing of the baton. My mm. parents also came here with far less than what I ended up having, as like comparatively, right? So, um, what's my excuse? And it's hard sometimes, but it, it it is a bit of a pressure point. But I I am up for the challenge. I like the challenge. I want to make them proud. I want to make them feel as though all their sacrifices were not for nothing. You know, that yearning that a lot of us sometimes feel, and thank you for for saying that it doesn't have to be, you know, taking over the world and being dominant and having scale and going on Good Morning America every day, but it just could be wanting for more optionality in your life, wanting more time, flexibility, time with your family, time for yourself. How do you begin to map that out and- I think the, the challenge a lot of us have is that we think we need to have it all figured out before we start making transitions. We can't leave the good job until we know exactly what we're going after, but that's impossible to figure out. So what are at least the minimum things that you want to sort of identify before you, you allow, you, you kind of follow that yearning? And, and, and for you, you can talk specifically about your own journey because I think that's a lot of us are in that still or have thought about it you know leaving maybe a corporate life for something different or maybe it's just going from this job to the next job that might be um, more opportunistic more exciting how do you know you have enough to go on to start making those those big
2: moves i think developing discernment is very key for anyone, even you know, when it comes to money decisions and life decisions. Like how do you, like you said, how do you know when it's the right choice? So there's two things or a couple things here. I think it's knowing when it's the right choice and then almost knowing that even if you make the wrong choice, that you'll be okay. So therefore no choice is wrong, you know, unless right, it's really, right. really wrong. But, and so I think for me, leave, Deciding to leave my job. So at the time, Journey to Launch was not making money, you know, at all like that. And so it was a risk walking away from this corporate career and my, I made more money than my husband, or I had the trajectory to make a lot more over time because he's a teacher. And so walking away from that and then like taking a risk to become a full-time entrepreneur, even though it wasn't making money at the time, I saw the potential. And so I, I saw that there were indicators that this was possible, I, at the time, saw how much my content was resonating with my audience, and I saw that other people within the space were doing okay, whether they were writers or um, they worked with brands, like they were figuring out a way to earn money. And I felt like I had a solid product or a platform Mm -hmm. and that I should be able to figure something out too. Um, The other thing that I made sure to do is I had a cushion in case things did not work out so that I wouldn't be stressed. So it was important for me to save up money that I could experience entrepreneurship, the ups and downs for the first year without worrying about if we could pay our mortgage. So we saved money to help cover our expenses when I walked away from my job to help give me that space. Um, But so a lot of it was, you know, this internal feeling of like this, like inkling, like, hey, I think this can work. But I did make sure that there were like external Things in place as fallback plans to help me, yeah. and then the other thing is just knowing that okay, what's the worst that can happen? If this doesn't work, what is what is the worst case scenario? And I'm like, well, I, you know, I don't think I'm going to die. You know, in terms of like this won't cause me to die, so I think I'll be okay. It's more of financially, where will we be? And so mapping out financially, if I can't invest for the next five years, where does that put us? And I was like, mm-hmm. Let's still put, you know, we're still okay. You know, we're not we're not destitute. And then the other thing was if it all doesn't work out, you can get a job. right? (laughs) Even if, you know, I always joke around and it's not really a joke because I love Trader Joe's, but I will work at Trader Joe's. I love the people who work at Trader Joe's. (laughs) But what, like what, you know, you should, even if you can't get back into your corporate career, (laughs) like you can get a job somewhere and Mm -hmm. work again from the bottom. So I think having that kind of faith in myself helped in making the the decision.
1: Yeah, I I like what you say about your your next choice isn't your last choice. You always have the next move that you can make. And that thinking and that realization and reminder in some cases is sometimes it. You know, it's like, oh yeah, it's that relief. Like, okay, this isn't the end of the world. Like I've made good choices too. Can we also acknowledge the patterns, our history of, of decision-making? I know when I was telling my parents that I wanted to, you know, maybe become a journalist instead of going to, finance, actually, I studied finance in college and they were all rooting for me to go make make big money on Wall Street. And then I was like, I think I'm going to pivot and go to journalism school and and write stories. And they were like, I'm sorry, what? And now you're going to go and (laughs) take out a loan to do this and go to graduate school? I said, yes, but, you know, trust me, I've never made a bad choice, you know? And I mean, yes, I've made weird choices, but they've, they worked out, you know? And so can we please trust me. I, I have a good head on my shoulders. I was at your book party on Monday night and it was so nice to finally meet your mom and finally meet your husband and your, uh, your your world's colliding, as you said, your corporate world, your entrepreneur world, your family and friends. It was just such a lovely gathering of people so excited for you. And one of the questions that your sister actually asked you as she moderated the conversation in front of all of us was, how is your book your journey to financial freedom different from what seems to be a lot of financial books right now from v- many different voices i love it to i just want it for the record like I, more is more in in this yeah. world of personal finance but to she had a point you know there's a lot of discussion happening right now How, and right now too december there's a lot of like books coming out why Do you think your book is the special one, the right one?
2: Yeah, you know, it's that is such a smart question to ask, because I think um, even when I went through the proposal process, so to get to this point, you know, I had to get a publisher to get a publisher, I needed an agent to get an agent. I had to have a good proposal. Yeah, and you really have to differ. You have to say that in a proposal because they are these publishers are seeing a lot of books, especially around this time. Now that they're seeing that you know you people want books like this is, but what makes it different? And I think what everyone came back to because I had eleven publishers who bid on the book. Um, so it went to auction and then ultimately, you know, sucked at the publisher, but. Um, i got a couple of comments that they just never heard. Like you can Google all the money things we talk about, right, Farnoosh? Like how to budget, you know, invest. All those things are online somewhere um, or in a podcast, which is great because so many people still don't know how to do those things or what to do. So they still need those like basics. But it's uh, repackaging or framing things in a way so that people look at their lives and finances differently. And so what I wanted to do with the book, is almost merge two worlds that I talk about which is like the general personal finance space which are the basic things we should have been taught and know you know about our credit and budgeting and investing but then also like the fire the financial independence retire early community which is what got me into this space is like I want to retire and quit this job early and merging those two worlds but talking about financial independence in a way that's relatable and attainable so breaking out frameworks and steps and fun ideas that help people see like hmm maybe I should consider this but then also you know still covering the basics so it's that merging of those two worlds along with i think just my personal story and voice i didn't want my story to overtake the book i wanted to make sure that you know it was really about the reader the journeyer i'm only referencing my story where it made sense to help maybe drive in a point but i wanted it to be motivating and inspirational. So sometimes you get books that are all like mo- motivational, but then there's no prescriptive, you know, information or steps. And then sometimes you get too many steps and too much prescription and not enough like motivation. And I wanted it to be a balance of both that mm-hmm. a person could really walk away motivated and like excited. I wanted people just to be happy when they saw the cover, you know, cause the subtitle is a step-by-step guide to achieving wealth and happiness. So I was like, well, I want people to feel happy <laughs> and joy yeah. on this journey. But also I want it to be practical, and I want them to be able to map out their financial independence plan by, from just reading the book. And so merging that also I think made it different.
1: A lot can happen in three years. like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh onecom For the longest time, I dreaded buying bras. It was like shopping for jeans. Impossible. You want a bra that's sexy? You want a bra that's comfortable? You can't have both. Well, now you can, thanks to Third Love. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, the ick, the ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem or problem. Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school. Get smoothing, you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made with premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a AA cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. They even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get $15 off your order with the code PODCAST15. The weather's getting warmer. As I record, it's a nice 73 degrees on the East Coast, so... Finally, time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters, and fingers crossed, hello to shorts and tees. And I need to update my wardrobe for the long haul. And, you know, I don't want to spend a fortune. So, luckily, I found Quinn's. I'm honest, I've got a lineup of timeless pieces from Quince that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I'm talking premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and tons more. Best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. I have t-shirts from Quince, pajamas from Quince. My very chic and fashionable sister-in-law, Hannah, her whole closet is Quince. And people often stop us and ask, where did you get this? Don't tell me the price. And then when I do, they're shopping on quince.com. Get warm weather ready with quince. Go to quince.com slash money for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's q-u-i-n-c-e.com slash money to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash money. Did you know that I'm a podcast host and also a mind reader? Because I know that you want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising costs of inflation, to pay off your debt or your mortgage. You want to attack pretty much anything standing in the way of you and your financial freedom, right? Well, here's one solution. More knowledge. This podcast helps, I hope. And you can use Yahoo Finance, where you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need to help reach your definition of financial freedom. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, and I know because I worked there for many years, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, customizable charts, so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit The brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. So, what is some of your advice around the joy piece, the happiness piece? I think when you talk about fire, for some that's so triggering, it's like, oh my God, I have to be so frugal. I have to rush, rush, rush to save. And then in the meantime, I'm not. Enjoying any part of life, I loved at your party that you had like <laughs> the guac levels because you know there's that there's that narrative like oh you're ordering too much guacamole guacamole is is <laughs> it's the new latte you're spending too much money and it's preventing you from becoming a rich person living in a million dollar home oh if only that were the case um, so you you joke at some of this stuff that's become a bit of the like the cultural in the cultural zeitgeist around per, in personal finance I love it. But um, what are some of the ways that even maybe you found joy? And like, let's also remind everybody, you had, you have three children. So you started this journey when you had just had like your third. So you had a lot on your plate and that's, I mean, new parents. I mean, it's, it's a happy time, but it's also a really, it's really not happy time sometimes. Um, how did you find the, the happy along your own personal journey? What do you recommend to others?
2: Yes, so each journey is unique and your preferences can change. And it's all, you know, depending on your responsibilities and circumstances, your mindset at the time. So for me, when I first started my journey, I was so motivated to want to leave my job because I wasn't happy. And so I was more, I leaned more into being aggressive with investing and saving, which helped a lot um, to to kind of leapfrog us through the journey or stages that I talk about in the book. But um, when I was able to leave my job and now that I'm actually living kind of what the point is, I believe of the financial independence journey is not necessarily to yes, you want to have and accumulate money and investments so that you don't have to work again, but really you want to have autonomy and freedom over your time and options. And so I was able to achieve that in what I call the fourth stage, the, the, work flexibility stage. And because of that, you know, I've been able to slow down a bit on how aggressive I want to be because I am happy in my life, in a day-to-day versus I wasn't happy necessarily back then, which is why I was so, you know, more intense with my finances. So the joy for me, you know, believe it or not, even in the aggressive stages or when I was investing aggressively, I felt joy from doing that because it, I saw, you know, I would check my budget every day. I was so intense because I was like, I got to leave this job or I want to get out of this situation. So I found joy in taking control over my finances and investing and saving. Mm -hmm. Then I realized as I kept going that that wasn't really sustainable. I wanted to spend more money and enjoy my life a bit. And so I switched like perspectives. I switched what I tied my joy to and we still save and invest. But now I'm, you know, I don't feel as bad if we take the Disney trip or you're considering buying a car. So how do we work that into our budget or what our life looks like? And I think for everyone, if they're thinking about their journey, it's to realize that because it's so unique, you have to tailor it to where you currently are. And so you may be in a position where you do not like your job or your commute. And so you decide that the intensity it takes to get away from that you find pride and joy in like the finances part of it, right? Mm -hmm. Or you might find that things are okay. You know, uh, I'm okay with being more sustainable and slower. So I don't have to be so intense, but it's also okay to change your mind. And so I think just that freedom and choice and being able to change without feeling guilty, just realizing it's part of the journey gives me comfort. And then of course, like in terms of specific joy things, like the things that make me happy, you know, realizing that, yes, some of it is tied to money. But a lot of it isn't. You know, what makes me happy is when I drop my kids off and I can go for a run over to the gym or mm-hmm. being able to look at my calendar and I have like a free day of no meetings. Like, joy. <laughs> exactly. An, an, an empty calendar.
1: Right. That's it. That's, it. that's, <laughs> that's the it. That's, that's the happy life, y'all. It's not busy, it's not doing all the things. It's like I can just sit and stare at a wall on my couch for an hour after I drop right. off, my, after my kids have already been taken to school. yep,
2: Yeah. So I think for people is to discover or tie things, like what are things that are, that are are no cost? Like it's really just you and that give you joy. What are things that, you know, cost some money and what is that? And how do you integrate it on a daily, weekly, monthly basis on the journey where it's not going to deprive or set you back <laughs> too far as you're trying to reach mm-hmm. your financial goals, but it it's integrated in your life.
1: Yeah, it's. I'm hearing that you have to have a really strong why, a motivational factor, the anchor, the work that you're going to do that may not feel exciting without that promise of a better future and to visualize it, you know. And I don't know if you did anything like that in your journey, which was like really seeing what was possible because you had taking pictures and put them on your laptop or you have photographs. I mean, I actually have a photo of
2: myself as a kid.
1: Here, I'll show you. I was like three years old in this picture.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've seen that before. You posted that before, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think so. And it's yeah. Persian New Year and I'm sitting, I'm kneeling at the uh, the sofre, which is our, um, it's like the traditional tablescape around the Persian New Year. And I just, I have a lot of kid pictures or my kids, my kids, me as a kid, I think it's important to do it for them. I do it for my kids. I do it for me when I was a kid. If I'm those days where I just feel like I don't want to do the thing or I don't want to do one more podcast or I just want to take a nap. And sometimes I do, but I think um, even when I think bigger picture, like why is it important for me to continue to help other people or spread the good word about, what's possible in your financial life. I think I do it for, um, the little kids who are so innocent, right? When they're, when you're young, you're like, anything's possible. And you don't want that candle to, to die. You know, you don't want them to arrive into adult. I don't want my kids to grow up and be like, you lied to us. Nothing is possible. Right. Right. (laughs) Life is really hard. Nothing can work. Um, that, that I can model that for them. And, and, um, so yeah, a simple visualizing tool as a, as a photograph can can be a, a game changer. I agree. So I met your husband at your party too. He's so charming and and seems like, you know, what an incredible life partner to have on your journey to financial freedom. What are some of the conversations that you two have around this? As I think a lot of our listeners are in partnerships and they would love to know what insights you have for them maybe on how they can communicate more effectively I know that you're deciding on a car purchase right now and maybe they're, you're not seeing eye to eye there. Like, How do you work through and thrive uh, in these moments?
2: Yeah. Well, it's definitely going to depend on personalities, right? Like knowing who, how you communicate or triggers for you or your partner. My husband is pretty laid back, which is very helpful. <laughs> <laughs> so even though I, I'm more like you know, I, like he can literally, I don't know, he can maybe be upset about something. It's not always a good thing, but he can be upset, but he's very calm. So he doesn't have to like express himself right away where I'm like, if something makes me upset, needs to be addressed right now. Let's talk about it. So he's, he takes that approach when it comes to just like, you know, our finances too, where he's very laid back. He's As long as he's like able to do what he wants or he feels financially secure, he's okay to let me kind of lead the ship. And he trusts me to make decisions. And sometimes it's like that. I think, yes, I love when I see couples that are in it together and budgeting every day and having meetings all the time. You know, like they they communicate everything. That's amazing, right? But like, he's not, he's just, he's just have that personality. He's very involved. He knows what's going on. But one of the things I had to let go of was that he didn't have to be as intense as me to mm-hmm. want to know or understand everything. And that was okay. Mm-hmm. So I think understanding your partner, um, communicating like obviously big decisions and talking through and making sure you realize what their goals are. So it's not just about what I want, but what does he want, and what does the family need, and how do we integrate that? So with the car situation, he's been wanting a car for I think a while now, like a nicer one. And we are getting to the point where it's like, okay, you know, my, my car sometimes it wasn't starting last winter for a bit, and we're like, we probably do need to get a bigger car. So. I'm just hesitant on I don't want to add like another payment you know I'm like mm-hmm, I'm like mm-hmm. trying to figure out okay do we just buy in cash but you know that's a big lump sum of money right and so he's been patient he's not like well we need to do this now you know I'm like the, the both cars are still running you know the the one that wasn't starting is starting again it's starting more consistently <laughs> <laughs> so um and I think he trusts me I'm not just like leaning him on and saying oh we'll do it and I don't want to do it it's more of yeah. You know, after this book launch, after things die down, let's yeah. Come we got to think
1: about, about it. it. This is right. a huge so, decision. Oh, yeah, I have to also make a decision about my car, and I, I have a hot take on cars right now, um, which might get let's me in trouble it. with like Susie Orman. But I think like you, you should be allowed to lease a car and not feel guilty about it.
2: Yeah, sometimes it makes sense, right?
1: Especially in this environment, cars are not depreciating as much as they used to. Like I leased a car in twenty twenty one, I believe. And it has increased in value. So when I turn it in this summer, I'm deciding what to do. I'm like, okay, I think I'm going to buy it from the dealer at the price we negotiated in 2021. Not because I love this car, but because I'm going to be able to sell it as soon as I drive it off the lot and I can sell it and maybe I won't make a profit but I will make I will do okay you know and I can use right. that money to to then go buy maybe a, a different car at a different budget your point about liquidity is not a small point it's huge i mean are you going to cuz cars are so expensive right now you're going to cough right. up like interest to, rates yeah inter, and so i have been seeing depending on the car and the dealer some dealers are offering lower interest rates right now because they want to move some cars Um, so you're, but you're right. It takes a lot of research. This isn't like an easy choice and it's a commitment. It's a commitment either way, whether you pay all cash, because that's cash, you're not getting back and that's liquidity that you're going to have to make up for, or it's an interest payment.
2: But I do think rates are going to come down a little bit this year. So good to wait. I think it's better to wait. Yeah. But I just see, I think that's what you just said about, you know, leasing, even though like, you know, for some financial experts out of the question, you know, there's so many things that we can choose to do that work for us. And sometimes mm-hmm. it doesn't work mathematically. You know, like this idea of, oh, you shouldn't pay off your mortgage. You no, know, I am not one of those people. I, I thought about doing that, like being aggressive with it, but then it's like, no, I'd rather have more, li- I ha- I'd rather have cash or liquidity yeah. versus paying my mortgage down. But for some people, they do not care. It's not a mathematical choice. It's an emotional one. And so sometimes, you know, you can't, it's okay to make emotional choices. Now, of course, <laughs> you know, you don't want it to be things that take you off the path too far. but People can decide for themselves the discernment of what works for them, because sometimes we try to make decisions based on what other people tell us to do when it's actually going against what makes sense for us. Right. And then that's when the friction comes. So, um, yeah, making choices from like personal standpoint is important.
1: Right. I mean, the same debate with people who are deciding to rent versus own a home. Um, for a long time, we thought renting was like money down the drain, but... No, renting affords you more flexibility and all that overhead is no longer your responsibility. All the like maintenance costs and there's no taxes. I mean, home ownership is, you're really in for it. You are in for it. Now, I'm a homeowner many times over and I don't regret, but I'm not gonna tell, I'm not gonna be silly and tell everyone that everyone should do this and that it's right for everybody. It's very complicated. All right, Jamila, let's talk about 2024. This episode is airing, Still, we're in December of 2023, and I just wrote a piece for my newsletter community about how, what if we thought of December as the first month of 2024, so that you're not walking into January super duper overwhelmed and inundated and feeling like behind the eight ball, that you've already gotten a few things figured out, you got you got a light running start. So what are some things that we can even do now to set ourselves mm. up for success In just Q1 of 2024, it doesn't have to be like for the rest of our lives or the rest of the year, but just like some things that come January, you're like,
2: I should have done this in December. You know, I think sitting down and reviewing your current starting point, uh, where you are. So whether that is a review of your assets and, you know, how much you have, what those login accounts are. (laughs) So many of us don't know how to log in (laughs) to our accounts. Right. So figuring that out your debts or liabilities, figuring that out, you know, just doing a checkup, let's just log in, make sure that money's still there, (laughs) make sure payments are getting applied. Um, Also checking in on your budget. So, you know, perhaps you fell off, the budget, like wagon, you know, in 2023, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So, what does a new budget look like? You can have a fresh start. Like, okay, delete all the, the old budgets you never updated. This is actually speaking to me because I have not been keeping up with my <laughs> own budget. <laughs> so, I'm like, fresh start. But let's just say you are at a stage, I talk about this in the book, a journey or stage in the beginning where it's more important for you to budget because you are trying to, you know, invest or save or get out of debt. Then, this is a great time to sit down, and look at your expenses. Maybe look back on, and if you have the digital budgeting apps, you can you know pull in information and organize. Like, how much did you spend consistently? You know, over these last few months in this area, do you want to continue that? You know, going forward, do you want to see some adjustments? Right, just having the data and sitting down with it, so you can assess and just look at it. Um, like parts one and two of the book are all more about assessing, and it doesn't really require a lot of action, like a physical action, like getting up and doing things. Because I wanted people to be able to like, you don't, you can sit in your, your desk or your home to start making significant changes. And that's one of it is to assess where you currently are, Mm -hmm. um, look at your expenses and then what goals do you have? So it doesn't always have to be, you know, the financial goals, but what are some lifestyle goals you want to achieve or have? And how can you bake that into your budget? Is there a trip you may want to take in the first quarter or a show you want to see, you know, it's an artist coming to town. You want to go see, like think ahead about some of the fun things you may want to do and try to be proactive about that. And so you can bake that in advance in a budget. Yeah. You just got me thinking. I do want to take my family to the West coast in
1: April for spring break. And it's never cheap. Flights are so expensive. It's really annoying because good luck getting there on time. Like, I just love how you can just give an airline thousands of dollars and they're like, you, we might get you there. Right, We might right. get you there. Also, you you might have a seat. I was like, Jamila Soufran, thank you so much. I couldn't think of a better person to sort of round out 2023 with. And congratulations on your book, which was featured on Good Morning America. And thank you for making us a stop on your media tour. Everyone pick up your journey to financial freedom. By the way, when I got mine in the mail from Good Shop. The box, it was a little smaller than I was expecting, but it's perfect for like stocking Ah, stuffers and fits perfectly in your hand. Jamila, thank you so much. Farnoosh, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Jamila for joining us. Her book again is called Your Journey to Financial Freedom. You can learn more at yourjourneytofinancialfreedom.com. Thanks for tuning in. And I hope your day is so money. Hosting the So Money podcast for almost 10 years, I've been learning a lot about how to best serve you outside the show. I've begun to offer pop-up workshops and a So Money members club. And with each new line of business, a lot goes on behind every transaction. Stripe helps simplify and ease payments with Tap to Pay on iPhone, which helps me grow revenue and reach through accepting more in-person contactless payments when I'm out in real life promoting my programs. Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe give me the ability to scale quickly and stay flexible with quick setup and no additional hardware required. And it's not just ideal for me. From local pop-ups to global retailers, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe help businesses of all sizes accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. Whether your customers want to use their card, Apple Pay, or other digital wallet, now you can accept contactless payments right from an iPhone. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone